cross and you need to stay there. And you need to stay there until, number one, you get saved. But then you need to also stay there until you come to understand just how much he loved you. Because that's all the evidence we need, that God loves you. God loves your one just as much as he loves you because Jesus Christ died for that one just as much as he died for you. So I want to start right there from the outset. We're going to talk about some other things that aren't going to paint such a bright and rosy picture about the condition of, of who your one is. And it's going to even sound as if somehow we're not loving. It's, that's not the truth. I, I think one of the worst things you can do if you love somebody is to hide the truth from them. And one of the best things you can do for somebody if you love them is to confront because love does confront. Now, I've said God loves and your one is loved, but I want you also to know that God wants your one, him or her, to be saved. That's why God sent his son into the world so that he, might, he or she might believe in the name of Jesus Christ and might not perish but might have eternal life. That was it. Paul wrote to Timothy and told Timothy that God desires all men to come to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's God's great desire. That's why he sent Jesus into this world. God wants your one to be saved. But the question is, well, why do they need to be saved? And John 3, 16, verses 1 to 18, I mean, 16, 17, 18 tells us, because without faith in Christ, he or she is condemned. That's what it says. God sent not a son of the world to condemn the world. That's good news, isn't it? God doesn't want your, your one to be condemned. But he sent his son to the world that through him, through faith in him, they might be saved. But verse 18 is real important. It explains it all to us. That he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who believes not is condemned already. Why? Because they don't believe. Because they've not entered into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. They've not trusted him for their salvation. What he did for them on the cross of Calvary, dying in their place, not trusted the grace, the love, the mercy that God offers us through Jesus Christ. That's all that's required. When I was in St. Augustine pastoring there, early in my ministry, there was a group in St. Augustine that, that believed that once you got saved, you then became sinlessly perfect. Oh, if only that were true. And, and they, they, even, they even misrepresented a passage of Scripture to, to come up with that, that point. And they believed that now you've been saved from sin, so now that you're saved, you never sin again. If anybody ever tells you that, can I give you a piece of advice? Don't trust them. Because they'll do things and they'll say, oh, that's not sin. That are, that are definitely not in your best interest, okay? Just, just trust me on that one. But, but there was a guy who had a bumper sticker on the back of his car, and this is what it read. If you can sin and still go to heaven, what do you have to do to be lost? And I knew that he'd come out of that group that believed that once you got saved, you became sinless. But I have an answer for him. It's real simple. He found here in verse 18 of John 3. Just don't believe in Jesus. That's, that's the only reason folks are going to go to hell, according to John 3, 18, isn't it? Because they've not believed in Jesus Christ. God's solution to all of our problems and all of our lostness, God's cure for all of that is it found in Jesus Christ. But, but, but why are they condemned? I mean, why do we have to, and how are they condemned? Those are the questions that come very naturally. And um, it, it's at this point that we have to deal with some, some problems, some, some false theology that somehow has weeded its way into the church. And I hope it's not in this church. I hope it's, you, don't, you haven't fallen victim to this. 
but if we're not careful, if we're not careful and faithful to God's word, we can easily get slipped, you know, buy into these things. One of those is called universalism. And universalism teaches that everybody's going to go to heaven. Nobody's going to go to hell. God's such a good God. God's such a loving God. And God is a good God. And God is a loving God. So God wouldn't let anybody go to hell. Well, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. I agree with that. But God gives you an opportunity to decide what you want to do about him. And God's word is really clear that there will be people who will spend eternity separated from God in hell because they've rejected him, they've rejected his love, they've rejected Christ Jesus, they've refused to believe in him. So when you hear that, that theology, and it comes around like, doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, the next time somebody says, I'm going to go to the Skyway Bridge and I'm going to jump off because I really sincerely believe I'm going to fly. Just say, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about that. Well, you know how stupid that is. Why is it any less stupid when it comes to spiritual things? God's word is really clear about that. So if you're here believing this morning that it doesn't matter what you believe, my friend's going to go to heaven because everybody's going to go to heaven, then you're in, you're in direct conflict with all the word of God says. There's not a nice way to say that, is there? <laughs> but that's the truth. The other is, is that there's a, there's a tendency among us, even though we know that we're saved by grace through faith apart from works, we know that salvation is by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. We still have a tendency when we think about a lost friend to think that their good works are going to get them into heaven. We'll say things to ourselves, but, I, but they're such a nice, he's such a nice guy. Well, what does God's word say? God's word says that without Christ, your one is not good. Well, he's not all that bad. Well, he's not all that good either. David Platt helped us out with that in his book that came out in about 2012, Radical. You might remember we read that together. And in there he talked about the folks that, re, that, that object to the idea that salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone because they know of people that are good people that have never heard the gospel or they say they know. And they always come up with this guy that, that lives in Africa who's a good guy he just never has had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And, and what about him? That, that's going to be the one that's going to, that's going to catch us and, 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 and ruin our argument that salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. It, but David Platt helps us out here, and he's absolutely right on the mark when he says, the problem with their argument is this guy does not exist. Their presupposition is wrong because he does not exist because of what God's word says. What does God's word say? God's word says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, no, not one. You were not good according to what God's standard of goodness is. Not a one of us. And see, that's the problem. This is why. How can we say that he's not good? Because your one is a sinner and fails to meet God's righteous standards. That's how we can say that. God's word is very, very clear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory 
of God. I don't know if you're familiar with the Way of the Master. It's an international evangelism ministry. Uh, they do a lot of street witnessing. And they understand something that all of us need to understand, that usually before you can get a person saved, you've got to get them lost. Not like they're not already lost, but they just, in their own understanding, they need to know that. I think sometimes in our understanding about our good friend, we like our friend, we, we want to believe our friend's okay. It's just hard to believe that they're separated from God, that, 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 that they're in danger of eternity apart from God, because they're such good people that sometimes in our own minds, we need to get them lost. But the way of the master does this. They'll, they'll start with somebody and they'll ask them the question, is it wrong to lie? And everybody universally agrees, yes, it's wrong to lie. So what do you call somebody who lies? A liar. Is it wrong to steal? And universally, yeah, it's, it's wrong to steal. So what do you call somebody who steals? We call them a thief, okay? God's word says thou shalt not steal. God's word says thou shalt not bear false witness. What's that called when you do that? It's called sin. Therefore, what do you call somebody who's a sin, who commits sin? Call them a sinner. That, that's who we are. James says that if you keep all the law but fail it at one point, you failed, you failed all the law. And, and we need to help people understand it. Our problem is we talk, we, we talk about goodness and we want to compare ourselves with one another and say, well, compared to so-and-so, this guy's good. The trouble with that is, compared with that person that you're comparing them with, that person is not the standard. God is the standard. And so when you compare you and me to God's holy standard, to the glory of God, we all fall short. We're all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's your, your, your one's problem. There are sinners who have failed to meet the righteous standards of God. And in, the, in a dangerous place, because the wages of sin is death. You see, because of sin, your one is spiritually dead and at odds with God. Spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. The Apostle Paul said, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Notice, because of sin, we were dead. Dead in our trespasses, dead in our, spiritually dead, spiritually dead. Why? Because sin always cuts us off from God, who is the one and only source of spiritual life. And being cut off from the source of life, there's only one other option, isn't it? You're dead. You're dead spiritually. That's what God's Word says. We were cut off from there. So it's an appropriate description of a person who's without Christ. They're still dead spiritually. You and I did not come alive spiritually until we repented of our sins and gave our heart to Jesus Christ. And your, sin, and your one has yet to do that. And so therefore, there's only one option. They are they're dead spiritually. But what else did he say? He said they also were by nature. They were they, by nature children of wrath. At odds with God. They walked in, uh, in, in, with the sons, in the, they 
walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit now works in the sons of disobedience. That's who every person apart from Jesus Christ is. It's how they're living their lives today. And it puts them at odds with God. Not only that, without Christ, your one is under Satan's power. Well, we don't like to talk that way, don't we? Under Satan's power? Well, stop and think about it for just a moment. Bob Dylan wrote when he was in, in his Christian phase. I don't know if Bob Dylan still claims to be a Christian or not, but there was a time he did. And he had a song called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And then there the chorus went, you gotta serve some, you're going to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Well, I don't know about the rest of Bob Dylan's songs, but he hit, he hit the nail on the head on that one. He's right. You're either going to serve God and his purposes or you're going to serve Satan and his purposes. There's no in-between. You say that sounds kind of black and white. Well, the reason why it sounds black and white is because the issue is black and white. You're either walking with God or you're not. And if you're not walking with God, there's only one other you could be walking with. It, it, it's just what God's word. Listen to what Paul said. When Paul got saved, when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, not only did Jesus save him, but he called him, he commissioned him. And Paul, in his testimony, says these are the words that Jesus spoke to him. I now send you to open the eyes, open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who were sanctified by faith in me. Paul said, he sent me to be a, a, a messenger, a, a minister to the Gentiles, to share the gospel with the Gentiles, and to call them out of their darkness into light and from the power of Satan to, to, to the power of God. Right into the Colossians, who he wants Christians to understand what took place when Jesus saved us. There in Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. The power of Satan, the power of darkness, the power of evil, that's where every one of us lived until we were set free by Jesus Christ and delivered into the kingdom of God, the Son of God's love. And your, your friend, he's there under that. He's going to serve somebody. He's either going to serve Satan, or he's going to serve the Lord. And until he comes to know the Lord, he can't serve the Lord. So therefore, there's only one other option, right? Without Christ, you're one is blind to the truth of the gospel. Someone says, why don't we understand? Why doesn't the lost person understand? Why doesn't the person without Christ understand that's where they are? And the answer is because they're spiritually blind. They just can't understand. Th these things are spiritual principles we're talking about. And when one is not alive spiritually, they can't understand them. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He writes and says, But the natural man, that is the man without Christ, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The other reason he doesn't understand his lostness, the other reason he doesn't understand what God has done for him or appreciate what God has done for him or accept what God has done is because of his spiritual blindness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
They're spiritually blind. They don't understand until the Spirit of God begins to work in their life. And the Spirit of God wants to work in their life through you as you share the gospel, as you share with them Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, that he is our only hope. That's why we're called to share, so that they might no longer be blind. We ought to be praying, Lord, lift the veil off their eyes. Lord, open their eyes they can see. Lord, bring light into their darkness. Help them to see, help them to understand where they are and draw them to yourself. You say to me, I've got a friend who's, who's, you know, who's lost as a golf ball in high grass and they don't get it and they don't understand it. And the reason is because they're blind. That's, that's the reason right there. But they're also, because you're one without Christ is lost. The classic chapter not just a verse, but a whole chapter in God's Word is found in Luke chapter 15. It's the chapter of lost things. There's a parable there, that three parables that Jesus tells. He gives us the parable of a lost sheep, parable of a lost coin, parable of a lost son. And it really describes the plight of all who are without Christ. They're lost. They're lost like the lost sheep. And because... Your one is lost, he or she is in peril because he or she has wandered from God. All we like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah said. We've each, each one gone to his own way. We've we just wandered just like a sheep. You know, sheep are not the brightest of animals. The sheep needs a shepherd for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons they need a shepherd is just to give them direction because the sheep will wander away. They just kind of drift away. A few weeks ago, we were at a conference um, about Who's Your One that was held up in uh, Clearwater at Calvary Church. And that morning, uh, that Monday morning, Willie Rice, the pastor at Calvary, got up and he started talking about how important it is to, to bring us back as a church back to the main thing, which is sharing Jesus. Um, so the trouble is we have this tendency to drift. And then he made this, this one statement, you never drift anywhere worth going. I like to fish, and I've got a little kayak, and when I find a spot where the fish are biting, guess what happens? My kayak tends to drift away from that spot. I have to keep recorrecting my trot and getting it back into place. You and I, left without a shepherd, will wonder. And your, your lost friend has no shepherd because they don't know Jesus, and they'll tend to wonder, and there's no place good that they're going to wonder to. As a matter of fact, they're going to wonder to a dangerous place. A sheep without a shepherd will wander to the side of a cliff and literally fall off the side of the cliff because there wasn't a shepherd there giving them direction. But a sheep also is in peril because that sheep doesn't have a shepherd to protect them. And there are predators that will prey on that sheep. Do you know the peril for a person who's lost without Jesus? When they die, they're going to spend eternity separated from him. A place called hell. That's not a euphemism for annihilation. It's a, a term for the place that's reserved for Satan and all of those that have served Satan and served his purposes. And it's not a pleasant place. And if you love your friend, you definitely do not want your friend to go to hell and spend eternity separated from God. Because your friend is lost, he or she is in peril because he has wandered or she has wandered from, from God. 
and they're destined to spend eternity separated from God. Because your one is lost, he or she is unfulfilled due to a lack of purpose. Jesus told the parable of the woman who lost her coins. She had ten coins. The coins probably fit into a, a headband that she would wear. It's a part of her dowry. Uh, and it, it was an important part of her dowry because the man that would suit her would get that money. And, and now there's only nine coins instead of ten coins. I mean, her value really was tied to those coins. But if she lost just one coin, well, what, what, what good is that one coin in its lost condition? You may tell me, well, you know, I've got, I've got ten dollars. I've got ten one-dollar bills. And I want to buy your product. It costs nine dollars and seventy-five cents. Okay? And you hand me nine dollars and say, but I've got another dollar somewhere. I just can't find it. Well, right now, that, that dollar is useless to you. Because you're not getting what I've got. I'm not going to sell it to you until you give me the dollar so we can make it. I'll give you change back, but, but I've got to have that dollar. And so it is with a coin. It's lost. When someone is lost, they're not just lost for eternity in hell. That's terrible. That's awful. But what's even more important to understand is they're lost not somewhere out in the future, but they're lost right now. They're lost to God. They're lost to God's purposes. We were created for God. The Bible's clear about that. We were created for a relationship with Him. Sin has separated us from God. There is no relationship with Him. Therefore, we are lost to that relationship, and we're already missing out on God's purpose, and we're not fulfilling the purpose. I could go on to talk to you about how that not only were we planned for God's pleasure, we were also formed for God's family. We were also created to become like Christ. We were shaped for service. We were made for a mission. The five purposes that you have in your life, and you've missed out on all of those until you come into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that person, therefore, is living an unfulfilled life because they don't have Christ. Listen, because your one is lost without Christ, they are, he or she is alienated from God because of rebellion. Now the parable of the prodigal son comes to play. In that parable, you remember the, a man has two sons. The younger of his sons shows complete disrespect and contempt for his father as he says, give me my share of the inheritance. Dad hadn't even died yet. I want it now. I'm going to go spend it the way I want to live it. And he left and went off into a far country and spent his money the way he wanted to. And as a result, he was alienated from his father. And that's what you and I have done every time that we have rebelled against God. Listen, sometimes people are lost because of neglect. And sometimes they're lost because of foolishness. But everyone is also lost by a choice. We knew what was right. We knew what was wrong. And we chose what was wrong. And we're lost by choice. And that's a reality. We can't dress it up. We're sinners by nature, but we're also sinners by choice. And that alienate and that, that choice to rebel against God alienates us from God. And that's where your your one is right now, alienated from God. And because your your one is lost, he or she is disillusioned by sin's promises and lies. The life that the young boy left to go live never materialized. Oh, it looked like it would for a while. 
he had all his dad's money, or at least his share of dad's money. And as long as dad's money held out, he would live in the high life. But guess what? The money didn't last. And neither did the high life. And he woke up one day in a pig pen. That's what happens when you leave the father. When you go to a far country and leave the father, that's what happens. Ultimately, every person that's lived apart from Christ is going to wake up and realize life didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to, and they end up disillusioned. And you say, wait a minute, I've got a friend that's still living the high life. Yeah, but one day they're going to wake up and realize it wasn't such a high life after all. Voltaire spent his entire life fighting against Christianity. He died and his last, with his last breath, he said, I am abandoned by God and man. I shall go to hell. It may not have been until his very final moment that he began to realize how disillusioned this whole life had led him to become. But he was disillusioned at that moment in time. And it was far, far too late for him. And eventually, that's where your friend is going to be if they haven't already gotten there. Disillusioned. What other thing? Because your, your one is lost, he or she is in need of repentance, in need of a life change. In the parable of the prodigal, one day the boy woke up. He came to himself, the scripture says. He saw where he was, and he realized he had nobody to blame but himself. It was the choices of life that he had made, and he got there by because of his choice. But now he made another choice. He said, I'm going to go back to the father's house. I, 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 I go, even if I go back and if all I can do is be a slave to my father, at least I'll be better off than I am here in the far country. It's amazing. He couldn't wait to get away from his father. Thought life was going to be so much better away from his father. But he wakes up one day and realizes, I need my father. I was so much better off with my father. And he does what the Bible says everyone must do. We must repent. That is turn. Turn away from sin. Turn away from selfishness. Turn back to the father. And the gospel not only calls for us to do that, the gospel also gives us the power to do that. To turn back to the father. To realize that life change is the only hope. And only Jesus Christ gives us the power to make that life change. And that's why you and I must share the gospel with our lost person, with our friend, with our one. Everybody is so worked up about the coronavirus. I know you probably haven't heard many people talking about it. Nobody's talking about it, right? Have you heard it on the radio? I mean, it never gets mentioned, does it? Some days you wish, isn't there anything else on the radio but the coronavirus? And they're worried about the coronavirus. But let me tell you something about the coronavirus. Not everybody who's gotten the coronavirus has died. Some people have survived it. Some people have, have gotten through it. They no longer have it. They're well. They're doing good. Now, I realize there's some people who have died. But the vast majority have survived it. And yet we're all worried about the coronavirus. And I'm not here today to tell you that it's not that it's not serious. That's not what I'm saying to you. But what I want, do want to say to you is that another disease that has been 
that has infiltrated mankind and has infected mankind since the very beginning of time. And that disease is 100% deadly all the time. It's called sin. Nobody's getting worked up about sin. Have you noticed that? Nobody gets worked up about sin except for maybe now, every now and then a preacher does. You remember the little boy, he went to church and got home and his mama said, what did the preacher preach about? He said, sin. She said, what did he say? He's again it. And that seemed the only time we ever, we ever talked about it and get really worked up about it. But the reality is sin always leads to death. That's God's word to us. But the difference between coronavirus and sin is not only that everybody who sins is going to die, but there is a cure for sin. For sin, There's a cure for that disease. There's not one for coronavirus at this point. There may be one day. There may be a, a vaccine. But we know the cure for sin, don't we? His name is Jesus. And he is the solution. And your one needs Jesus more than he needs anything else in all the world. The reason he's condemned, because he doesn't believe. Why does he not believe? Well, Paul told us, didn't he? He tells us everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how shall they call upon him unless they believe in him? And how shall they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And you and I have been commissioned to tell them about Jesus. If you believe the word of God, then what I've been sharing with you this morning is what God's word says about people who are without Christ, about their spiritual condition. I didn't make any of that up. None of that's, if you got a problem with anything I said, it's not with me, it's with the word of God. God's word says this very clearly. So if you believe God's word, and you believe that what it says is true, and it says what it says specifically about your friend, your your loved one, the your one who's without Christ. You've got to answer two very crucial questions about your one. Number one, do you care about your one? Do you care? Do you care that all these things describe them? Number two, what will you do about your one? Will you invest in your one? Will you pray for your one? Will you invite your one to join with you in Bible study and worship? Will you share Jesus with your one? And will you call your one to a decision about Jesus? I think sometimes we get that close. We, we've shared with them, but we never say, now you need to make up your mind what you're going to do about Jesus. Would you do that? Every one of us in this room, at one time or other, were everything that I just described this morning. The only difference is between the ones who were with Christ and ones without Christ is those who are with Christ are now saved. The only difference is Jesus. What are you going to do about your one? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. That you loved us so much that you sent Jesus into this world. I thank you 